0: Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.PurposeMCC.com. So I want you to take your Bible and turn with me please to the book of 1 Samuel. Thank you, worship team. In this 31 days of preparation, one of the key areas that God is going to work in is in the area of your heart. The area of your heart. In Scripture, through in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, the heart is considered to be the seat of your life. It's considered to be the source, the wellspring or... Ground zero of everything that you do. In in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, they didn't really have the understanding of of the heart uh, that we've got today, but they understood that the heart was the source of life. It was the center of life. and That's the reason that Jesus said, Out of your heart everything else flows. And uh, in Matthew chapter uh, 15, in verse 19, Jesus said this, he said, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, and blasphemies, and all of these. It comes out of the heart. And so, a few weeks ago, God began to deal with me about the heart, and I, and I began to just write some things down, and, and, uh, and I thought it was just going to be something to write in my journal. But God continued to deal with me, and so I want to share with you this morning, because uh, this is kind of a specific thing, but I believe it's for some people today, and, I'm, and perhaps it's for some that are here this morning. That you need to hear this word. Let's let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I want to. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase through verse 1 through 5. And then I want to pick up at verse 6. And I want to read verses 6 on through verse 13. In 1 Samuel chapter 16. The, the Bible, the Lord speaks to the prophet Samuel. And he says, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? How long are you going to grieve over Saul? In other words, how long are you going to grieve over something that did not work? How long are you going to continue to be stopped and shut down? By something that did not work. God said, I have moved on. I am no longer there with him. I have moved on. I say that to somebody this morning. It's time to move on. It's time to quit grieving over something that didn't work out yesterday. Let it go and move on. Because God has got something that is better than you could ever imagine. So God spoke to Samuel and he said, I want you to get your horn of oil. And I want you to go down uh, to Jesse's house. And anoint an individual with oil. I found a king in Jesse's house. And so, verse 6 says that when they came uh, to Jesse's house, Samuel came and he had the anointing oil. Jesse had all of his sons out, and uh, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, and I want you to listen to this do not look on his appearance. Or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I want to say that again. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord sees the heart. Out of the heart are the issues of life. Out of the heart flows everything about who you are. You can say it with your mouth, but your heart will always reveal the contents of the heart, of the spirit. The Bible says that then Jesse And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward thank you father for your word guide us now Holy Spirit and we'll give you praise in Jesus name amen amen listen I don't know exactly who this is for but God led Samuel to Jesse's house. You might not be familiar with Jesse. Jesse was the son of Obed. Obed was the son of Ruth. Ruth was the one that was not a Hebrew. She was of a foreign descent. She was one that, that uh, according to the guidelines of the Jewish culture would never even be able. To be a part of what God would do with the nation of Israel. But Ruth was the one that looked at Naomi. When Naomi said go back. Ruth looked at her and said. Forbid me not. Let me not leave you nor forsake you. For where you go I will go. Where you lodge I will lodge. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you, where you die, I will die. Ruth refused to go back. Ruth came uh, back to Bethlehem with Naomi. You know the story. She found her prince. They were married. She gave birth to Obed. Obed gave birth to Jesse. Jesse gave birth to David. The Lord spoke to me, and I want to tell you this this morning. The roots that have been established in your life have been established by divine providence. Don't discount the root system. And now we'll move on. Listen, David, the Bible says... Samuel took the horn of oil and poured it on David, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed on David from that day forward. Everybody say purpose. God gave David a purpose. He established a purpose. Everybody say anointing. God anointed David. He was anointed with the oil that Samuel poured on him. He had a purpose and he had an anointing. He had, a, he had a goal, and he had the power to obtain the goal. But what David didn't know that day was that he was going to have to come up against some Saul's. He was going to have to deal with some Saul's in his life. What David didn't recognize that day was that there would be a time very soon after that that he would be dodging the spear of King Saul. He probably didn't recognize and understand about all the battles that were going to take place. He had a purpose and he had an anointing. And I want to tell you something this morning. There are people today that as men and women of God, God has given you purpose He's given you a purpose. You know what you're supposed to be doing. And God has also given you an anointing. When God gives a purpose, if you are one that is walking around with a divine purpose, I can assure you that there is a divine anointing that's awaiting you if you have not already received it. God never says I'm going to call you to do something without anointing you to do it. There are many people that are walking around with a God purpose, but they are yet to recognize the God anointing. God always anoints. And listen, He will not anoint you according to the denomination that you belong to. He will not anoint you according to your lack of understanding the Scriptures. He will anoint you according to what His Word has declared that He would do you will receive nothing less or nothing more than anybody else down through Scripture. But the same anointing that Jesus was talking about in the book of Luke when He stood and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me, that same anointing was on David back in the Old Testament. But here's what I want you to understand. God did a supernatural, divine work in David. Called him out of the sheep field. Pulled him past all of his older brothers. That were men undoubtedly of great stature. Probably muscular. Probably had that kingly look about them. But yet God brought this little boy, David, And moved him past all of them and said, This is the one. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Now, to make a long story short, if you go to Psalm 51 and verse 10, this is what I want to talk about Psalm 51. The entire chapter. But I really want to focus on verse 10. Because in Psalm 51. David. Is crying out to God. For mercy. David is calling on God. For forgiveness. Because David. Has fallen into. Failure. David. David. The one who had purpose, the one who had the anointing, had allowed the enemy to compromise his heart. Day before yesterday, I went to the mailbox, I got a letter out of the mailbox and it was a strange looking letter. Didn't recognize the address that it came from, but I opened it up, and it was a letter from a mortgage company that, had, that we had previously had a uh, loan through, and the headline of the letter was, Warning, Data Breach. And as I began to read the letter, I realized that this company had had someone that had hacked into their computer system, and they had lost a lot of their clients' personal information. And so they were sending me the letter, and their warning was... You need to be watchful of your personal information. Your bank accounts. Your credit cards. Be guarding of that. And watch it. Because our system was breached by a hacker. And they got your information. I was reading that letter and holy spirit spoke to my heart and he said there are christians today that while they weren't paying attention while they didn't know it they had all the firewalls up they thought they had all of the right hardware up and all of that but while they were not watching even under their very noses a hacker came in in the background and began to compromise their system. Something came in and began to compromise their personal lives and their personal system. And before you know it, uh, you wouldn't even know that your system had been compromised until one day you get a bill in the mail for something that you did not buy, or somebody calls you up and says, Hey, uh, I got this, this, uh, bill for you or something like that and you realize that somebody has stolen your identity and you've lost your identity and you've lost your security. So I want to talk to you this morning about a system breach because you see what the devil and what the enemy has done is worked tirelessly and over time to break into the system of your heart. Because he knows that once God does a work in a person's heart, the only way that he can stop that is to come in and turn that that heart. And that's what happened in the life of David. David, the once anointed, powerful man of God with a purpose and and a godly uh, uh, anointing over his life, Gave in to some things. Gave in to what his eye was seeing. And the enemy came in and breached his heart. And now in Psalm 51, in verse 10, David is crying out to God. Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. You see, that's the reason that the Bible says that uh, the heart is the center of everything that we do. The heart is where everything pertaining to God and your life, it flows out of your heart. That's the reason the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You see, if the enemy can change your heart, it doesn't matter the calling on your life, and it doesn't matter the purpose that you've got in your life, and it doesn't matter the anointing that's over your life. If the enemy can turn your heart, he will rob you of what God wants to do. When the, proverb, the writer proverb, wrote, keep your heart with all diligence, out of it are the issues of life. He was talking about guard your heart. Put a fence around your heart and protect your heart. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. It's the first mention of heart that we see in the Bible. And the Bible says that, that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil, on evil continually. Every imagination, every thought of his heart was on evil. And that's the reason that God said, I regret that I've created man, because the heart of man has been contaminated by sin. David recognized that his heart had been compromised By sin. He recognized that he had opened his heart up to something that was opposing the work of God in his life. That's the reason that that God sent the prophet Nathan to David, told him the story of the man that had the little lamb. David said, Go get him, I'll take care of him. And the prophet Nathan looked at David and said, No, you're the man. You're the man. You see, friend, many times I will not change until I'm confronted by a finger in my face. Oh, I, 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 I know. Love to have a shout and a, and a swinging off the, the light bars up here and, and running the aisles and all of that. But don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, that we are being prepared for something. We're being prepared for something else. And you've got to recognize... That if there's a place in your heart that is weak where the enemy can come in and compromise your system, he will do it. But he might not do it today, but you know when he'll do it? He'll do it at the most important time. He'll do it in front of the most important person. He'll do it right when you're about to step into your destiny. He'll do it right when you're about to stand before the most important meeting of your life. And that's when the compromise of of your system you'll turn it on and you'll say oh my goodness i didn't know that this was going on and now i have lost my connection i have lost my ability to reach out and touch the hand of god but i want to tell you something this morning that that i, I want i'm sharing something with you today that will help you to realize to guard your heart Listen, there's a danger. There's a danger today. Look out in our world, and I've said this before. We're in a culture where there are churches on every corner. Churches everywhere. Turn on your radio, turn on your phone, turn on your TV, and you can pull a message up in a second. It's everywhere. The gospel is being preached everywhere. But why is the gospel not affecting our community? Why is the gospel not affecting your house? Why is the gospel not affecting your school, young person? Why is the gospel not affecting the lives of people around us? We stand before people and we preach, we scream and we shout and we shuck and we buck and we do all those things, but yet we're not affecting the lives of people. People will shout in the church and they'll go out and walk around like they've been sucking lemons. Why? Because we don't even recognize that the enemy has come in and compromised our system. And he's robbed you of your joy. He's robbed you of your peace. Most of all, he has robbed you of your authority to stand before your enemy. You see, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. And by the way, if you're not writing this down, I would encourage you to write it down. You've got to recognize that the heart is a deceitful part of your life. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? But listen to this. Verse 10 i the lord search the heart i test the mind to give every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his deeds jeremiah the prophet said understand this that the heart is deceitful above everything else in other words if you're not careful your heart will convince you to do something That you know you don't need to do. Your heart is the only part of your being. That will talk you into doing something. Knowing that you're going to get slapped in the back of the head when you do it. David knew that when he stood on the housetop and looked down at Bathsheba and when he took Uriah's wife, when he had Uriah killed in the battle and when he lied about it and all that, no doubt David in his heart was saying, I don't need to do this. But the heart that he had given himself over to would talk him into it. How do you think? Satan talked Eve into eating the forbidden fruit. It's the power of suggestion. So the heart is deceitful. Let me tell you something about deceit. Nobody sets out, and we've said this before, but nobody gets out of bed in the morning You won't get out of bed in the morning and say, Hey, man, I feel good today. I think think I'm going to get deceived today. I think I'm going to find somebody that will lie to me today and make me believe it. You see, that's the thing about deception it is deception, it is deceiving. It is something like the hacker that comes in unseen and unheard and you never know it until you wake up with a prophet pointing his finger in your face saying, you're the man. You see, it is deceptive. It is unseen and unheard and it compromises the system. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, is one of the sad stories in the New Testament. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You know that story? Ananias and Sapphira. The Bible says that Ananias and Sapphira, listen, in the middle of of an outbreak of the anointing, in in the middle of the outbreak of revival, the Holy Ghost was just fresh poured out on the church. People were being saved. People were being healed. Miracles were taking place. Signs and wonders were following the preaching of the word. God was moving in a manner like never before. And so people were so being moved by the power of God that the Bible says that they began to sell what they had and bring it and lay it at the apostles' feet. It was a move of God, Brother Pat. And so you would think that everybody that was involved in this move of God and in this great outpouring of anointing was going to follow and they were going to be holy and they were going to walk right. But listen, right in the middle of that is where the enemy will come and and infiltrate your heart and get you to do something that you know you don't need to do. But yet you'll follow the precept of the enemy and find yourself in a mess. I don't know who this word is for, but it's gonna it's it's gonna hurt going down, but it's gonna feel good coming back up. Amen. You see, the Bible says that that Ananias and Sapphira had some land, and they sold the land, and we're trying to look good came and gave a portion of it to the apostles and gave, gave what they said was all of it to the apostles, but really they kept back a portion of it and they lied about giving all of it. In Acts chapter 5, and verses 1 through 10, we see that story. In verse 3, Peter said to Ananias, listen to this, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Now listen, we don't have any other record. But I can't help but think and believe that Ananias and Sapphira were a part of the church. They were working in the church. They were serving in the church, Brother Cito. And, and they had connection with the church. But listen, what he did not recognize was that the enemy had breached what God was doing in the church in his heart. And he probably thought, this is no big thing. This is some little thing. I can tell this little white lie, nobody's ever going to know it. But listen, out of the abundance of the heart proceeds everything about me. And uh, Peter looked at Ananias. He said, why in verse 4, for, verse 3, he said, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And in verse 4, Why did you conceive this thing in your heart? What that tells me is, verse 3, Peter was saying, why did you listen to the suggestion of the enemy? And in verse 4, why did you follow the suggestion of the enemy? Sure is quiet in here, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Catch, catch this, ladies and gentlemen. Ananias and Sapphira had great potential to do great things in the kingdom of God. But somewhere along the line, there was a satanic suggestion that was suggested to one of them. And somewhere else along the line, that suggestion became a deed because they listened to what the enemy was suggesting. What they did not recognize was that it was a condition of the heart. And what the enemy was wanting to do was to compromise the operating system of what God was doing in their lives. And once that compromise took place, the God, uh, the, the God system was compromised, the devil knew That it would be stopped. You know the story. They both died. Man I'm so glad for grace today. Probably wouldn't have a pastor. Or this one. But listen. Deception creates sickness in our heart. It is like a mirage in the desert. An optical illusion. That you look at but it's not really there. Listen, it is many times it is motivated by a self-gratifying desire for me. And it is short-sighted. I want to tell you something, and, I, and I'm going to close. The heart that, is, that has been wounded, the heart that has been compromised is a wounded heart. It is a heart that is sick. I was talking to an individual the other day and he was telling me he he had since uh, remarried but he was telling me about his uh, former uh, wife and uh, about how that uh, things happened in their lives in her life she was wounded as a child and, and all of that and, and he said, I don't understand it, but she, she just never could get past it. And I was standing there listening to him, and, and I was thinking in my mind that once that heart is broken and once that heart is wounded, the only way that it can be healed is through relationship with Jesus Christ. Medicine will only cover it, but Jesus will heal it. An antidepressant will only medicate it. But Jesus will bring the healing. And if you're listening this morning and your heart has been wounded. Perhaps you've tried all of these things. And perhaps you've taken all this stuff and you've gone to all the doctors and you're trying to get some help for your depression or help for your uh, oppression or things like that. I want to tell you this morning if you will try Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate healer of the heart. But the, the wounded heart will affect you in every area of your life. It will affect you in your relationships. It will affect you with your children. It will affect you with your spouse. It will affect you on your job. You know, they say never mess with a wounded dog. Because they will wound you. People who were wounded always wind up wounding others. But it affects us to the very core of our being. And that effect travels through every area of who we are. It, It travels through our soul, our mind, will, and emotion. It goes on through and it affects our very health. And our health begins to deteriorate. Anxiety and stress and and anger and all of these things are created by a wounded heart. Listen, these wounds that are inflicted from the outside by people or other things go inside of us and begin to affect us on the inside. But listen... Here's the beauty of it. You might have wounded me by your words. You might have wounded me by dropping me. You might have wounded me by telling me I was of no value. You might have wounded me by cursing me or something like that, and your words went in me. But I want to tell you something this morning. The God that I'm talking about today does not try to heal you from the outside in, but He will work from the inside out. That's the the difference between God and man. That's the difference between God and a physician. Because a physician works from the outside in. But God said, I'm not worried about what you look like. I'm not worried about what you thought, thinking about. He said, but I will work on the inside. And when I get the inside right, you will see a difference on the outside. You see, even the church many times today is trying to get it all right on the outside and get it all fixed up on the outside. Man, I'm looking good on the outside. I got my hair just right. I got the right clothes on. I'm wearing all the right things. I know how to raise my hand. I know when to shout and all of that. But on the inside, we're full of dead men's bones. And Jesus is looking at the church today and saying, I want to heal your heart. Listen, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14 says this. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Did you hear that? The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? Now, if you look at that word, wounded spirit, those words, wounded spirit you'll see that there is a direct connection to what the Bible talks about with the heart. Because because the heart is the center of who you are. The heart is, in reality, your spirit. The spirit that is within you. So the writer of Proverbs said that the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, his sickness. His disease, his brokenness, his wounds. But a wounded spirit who can bear. So here's what it is that the spirit, your spirit, we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. Come here, Brother Pat. I'm not going... You can go preach now. All All right. Just stand right here. Look at him. What you see is a body. You see, if he didn't have a body, you wouldn't know Patrick existed. You see, because... The beauty of God is that God said, I'm going to give him a body. And that is his outward identity. But he is not only a body, he's got a soul. And that soul represents his mind, his will, and his emotions. And then he is a spirit. What you see is a body, but spirit was there before the body. Catch this spirit is more real than the body, spirit is eternal. Because when they lay this body in the grave and it deteriorates and this body, My hip, yeah. these, these go back to the dust. What has taken place in his soul has determined the destination of his spirit. Let me get back here. What, what he has allowed to come into the gates of his ears has dictated to his mind what his heart will follow. Teaching you something. So I want you to understand. That when the writer of Proverbs says. The spirit of a man will sustain him. In his infirmity. This old body is going to get weak. Weak. Never will forget, several years ago, I was preaching in an African-American church, and there was a, one, of the, uh, one of the ushers, elderly lady, was sitting on the front row. She had on this beautiful white dress. And I was preaching, man, and, and just having a good time in the Lord. And I got to noticing her she would lift her hands up like this. And I got to noticing her hands and and her fingers were, were all deformed up with arthritis. And I got to watching her. And every time she would lift her hands, she would grimace. And she would get them up just as high as she could. And she would do that. And after the service... I went up to it. and I said, hey, I want to let you know, you were such a blessing to me. And she looked at me and she said, son, she said, I used to be able to get my hands all the way up. And she said, I used to be able to stretch my fingers out toward heaven and worship God. She said, but arthritis has got me messed up. I can't get them up any higher than this. She said, but I have made a a commitment to God that as long as I can raise them up, I'm going to do it. You see what was happening was that this old body was, was decaying. But that spirit, that spirit, that spirit that is, that is infused, that is influenced, that is anointed, that is impacted by the power and the anointing of God. you got to recognize something this morning, that if the devil ever compromises your heart, what happens, what happens with this body will affect your spirit. Yes, That's the reason this morning that when they're, they're I, I love you. But that's the reason this morning that that when the worship team is worshiping and the anointing of God is moving. When I think about the Lord, and all that he's done for me, I can't help, I can't help but shout. Out. It is one thing, ladies and gentlemen, to be shy. Timon, or something like that. But what you better check out, what you better check out is to make sure that your system has not been compromised. Come on Ooh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. Because when your system is compromised, The compromise in your system begins to come up through here and it goes to your mind. And the mouth, open your mouth, the mouth that used to be opened with praise is now closed. And the hands that used to be raised in worship now are at your side. And there's no joy. Coming out of you. There's no peace in here. Because your system. Has been compromised. Because you've allowed. The wrong suggestions. And the wrong. And and listen. This could be some so called godly person. Mm -hmm. That will tell you. You don't need to worship like that. There's no sense in all that emotion. Just calm down a little bit. And you did. You did. But let me remind you. Let me remind you. That the anointing. That brought you. To McCullough Christian Center. The emotion. That caught your eye. The feeling. That caught you when you walked in the door. Was the anointing. Of the Holy Ghost. But listen. But what's happened is. That you got to the place to Where. It don't take all that. Yeah. And you don't even know it. Until you start to make a withdrawal. Out of your checking account. And you realize. That you've got a deficit. In your spirit. Because you've lost your ability. To forget about all that was around you. And not worry about the status. The symbol. Of how you looked. I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen. And I'm pastor and that's the reason I'm saying this. Because I'd rather get you pumped way up too high. Than I had to leave you on the ground. I want to tell you something. Don't believe the lie of people that will tell you it does not take all of that worship and that praise. I am, listen, I am sick and tired of hearing people downgrade and downplay all of the worship and all of the anointing. I want to tell you something this morning. That there are times that, yes, you do need to sing the same chorus 15 times. Yes, there are times when you do need to get on your face on the floor. Yes, there are times when you need to sing it over and over and over again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not ashamed of the anointing, and I refuse to allow the enemy to come in and compromise the God system that God has put in my life. And there are those of us that are sitting here this morning and perhaps listening, and I don't have my phone, so I don't know what time it is, so just bear with me, But, but listen, you're sitting here today. And according to man, you have every right to stop. You're sitting here this morning, your shoulders are drooped. Your spiritual posture is all messed up. Somebody. Has compromised your system. Listen. I don't know what happened with David. But I can't help but think. That before he ever went up on the rooftop that day. His system had already been compromised. Somewhere. Don't happen overnight. You don't get up in the morning and say. I'm going to leave my wife today. Without something that happened yesterday led you to that decision. You don't do your husband like that either, just to make it a level playing field. But your spiritual posture is messed up. Whether a man did it, whether a woman did it, doesn't matter. You've lost your ability. To stand before your enemy. David lost his ability to stand before his enemies. Listen. When we allow suggestions to come here. It affects here and goes down. Just stay right there brother Pat. I'm I'm fixing to close. Listen. This is is for you. This is for you. Because I know, I know that some of you are sitting here today, and you can sit down if you want to. But some, no, not you. (laughs) That's mess my message up. <laughs> listen. Some of you, this is you spiritually. But have I got a word for you. Because listen to this. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 4. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Says this You, you, you. That, that identifies he wasn't talking to everybody, he was saying, You, That's right. you, sir, are of God. The compromise of your system has distorted your thinking. And you don't really know if you are of God or not. But 1 John 4, 4 says. It, it takes out all the question. You are of God. Little children. And have Overcome. Them because he who is in you, come here, brother Sido. Can't get good help no more, man. Come here, brother. That worked pretty good. I need to get... Come here, brother Jason. Come on. Show me that bad posture. Sorry, brother. God's going to get you right over there. You just stand right there... And hold up. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Them are those people, demons, whatever, principalities that would come in and compromise. Your God system. Because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. When I get that revelation, even though my system was compromised, it's compromised, it's compromised, it's compromised. compromised. Even though my system was compromised. When I hear the word of Holy Spirit that says. You are of God. I want everybody in this section to stand up. Because I'm not going to point out just a few people. But there are some people in this section. That you've been like that. But I'm going to tell you. You are of God. In other words. Wait. Wait. I am reminding you. Of what the compromise robbed from you. Mallory, I want to tell you something, dear. There's a funnel on top of your head. And Holy Spirit is pouring. It is coming all over your life. So I'm reminding you that you are of God, little children. Because, because because he who is in you is greater than your compromise he who is in you is greater than your system failure and what god listen let me give you this your system failure will cause you to reverse this passage of scripture When you succumb to a system failure, instead of it being you are of God, you become subject to the failure that you open yourself up to. That's right. Come on. That's true. And then it becomes, rather than being greater as he that is in you, the one outside of you becomes greater than what was in you. But God sent me here this morning just to remind you, you are of God, little children. I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. that. Can I give you one more? In the book of Nehemiah. Stay right there, guys. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had rebuilt the wall, which is a picture of securing your relationship. Building that wall, and it was rebuilt. Nehemiah had rebuilt the wall, and everything was good. But you know what? Even when the wall was rebuilt, the people were still in a mess. The Bible says uh, that that Nehemiah found out there was oppression, there was indebtedness, there was was all kinds of things going on with the people. So you know what Nehemiah did? He gathered the people up. Come on, some of you ladies, come on over here. We're just going to have a congregational gathering right here. Brother Pat, come here. Get, get your Bible there, brother. I'm just giving you an object lesson because I want you to understand this. This is in Nehemiah chapter 8. Again, here's a bunch of people. Their posture is bad because their system has been compromised. They don't have any joy. They don't have any peace. And they certainly don't have any authority. But they got a wall around them. Can I tell you something? A wall will do you no good if you're messed up on the inside. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8. That a man named Ezra. First place in King James Version. First place in the Bible where pulpit's mentioned. Ezra got on a pulpit. Go ahead stand. I'm going to give you permission to stand in that chair. Better not see you do it no more. But I'm going to tell you right now. Here's all these people that are beat up, beat down, and beat out. But in effect, they're the children of God. They got a wall around them, but they're oppressed and beat down. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8, that Ezra, the priest or the scribe, the priest, stood up and began to read, catch this, began to read the word of God. He didn't read it for just a few minutes. He read it all day long. But I can almost see that every minute that went by and they were hearing the word of God. Because Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And what it was doing, Brother Cito, is the, as the as the scribe or the priest was reading the Word, the Word was coming in and cutting that out. And Holy Spirit was coming in and pulling that out. Because he is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You can get out. So, guys, I'm telling you this morning check your heart. Check your heart. Would you stand with me, please? Stay right here. Let me ask you something this morning. Is your service to God based on what man wants? Or is it based on what God wants? Does your walk with God mimic the ideas of man? Or does it mimic mimic the heart of God? Because you see, I am firmly convinced that in 2022, God is saying... I am so radically wanting to do a work in the heart of men and women that these things that have been oppressing and compromising your system will be nothing but a far thought from your mind. I am praying for the day that before the countdown ever gets to 10.30 on Sunday morning. I'm praying for at 10 o'clock or 10.15. Instead of coming in, standing around for 20 minutes shooting the breeze, you come in, Put your stuff down on your seat and get up here to this altar. And instead of sitting back there wondering when it was going to be over, you're standing up here looking at the clock saying, when's it going to start? Because I'm ready to worship. You see, I believe that what God is wanting to do is get a people who are so radical about God That when I walk in church, I am no different than I was in the parking lot. Hallelujah. See, it won't ever happen until we recognize the compromising of the heart. That our system needs to be reworked. Sister Kathy, can you go to the keyboard, please? I don't know what time it is, but but I just... (laughs) (laughs) And I was gonna have a treat day to day and go to Chinese. But let me tell you something. Sometimes you have to discard things around you. Listen, there have been people that I had to cut ties with because they didn't understand my worship. There have been people that I've had to separate from because they didn't know my pain. So I believe that what God is doing today is is He's saying, who shall ascend the heel of the Lord? Psalm 24 but he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. I believe that God is saying today, the world is looking on the outside, Mallory. They're looking for a king on the outside. But God said, I don't look on the outside. I look behind all the covering, and I see the heart. So where's your heart this morning? Where's your heart? Is it wounded? Let God heal it. Is it broken? Let God restore it. Is it deceived? Repent of it and come back to Jesus. Put your hands there's a multitude multitude of needs in this group but in the name of jesus in the name of jesus In the name of Jesus, Father, all over this building. Let the heart be restored.